Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis, of The Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour. We got a lot going on. There's a the tragic story out of Georgia, which I've written about. We'll talk about that. Updates out of South Carolina and the 2024 race. We've got a great story in The Atlantic with tea about the New York Times. And we do want to talk about that. And some Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil on the show today being super smart. We're uh, excited about it. But before all that, how's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine over the weekend. Kate's cousin and her, his family came over. And I figured, you know, they always think, oh, you know, I should have a, you know, like, what cocktail am I going to make for them, right? Because they're I'm known as the cocktail guy. When I go to their house, I'll make my Manhattans and things. But I wanted to change it up and do something interesting. But kind of surprisingly simple. So I made uh, homemade whiskey sours, Ooh. which is funny because you could go, you know, you could actually go to the store and you see these mixes for all right. sorts of things. And I thought, you know, it's actually not that hard to make. And all you need to make those is- mixes, by the way, will give you diabetes in one shot. In one shot, exactly. <laughs> so I made my own simple syrup. As you, I haven't made it in in a while, so it was time for me to re up it anyway because it opens up. For so many possibilities, margaritas mm-hmm. and other things. So I did that. And it's really just, you know, it's it's whiskey and simple syrup and lemon, you know, and, and squeeze a lemon. You can even, you know, drops of lemon in there and 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 the lemon twist and rub it on the glass and, and the usual deal. It is funny drinking it because it tastes nowhere near as sweet as the whiskey sours I remember from college. Yes. I'm telling you, you were drinking the, the ready-made yeah, stuff. The, yeah, it's something I ever see because, you know, at the bars, they would reach behind, you know, in the well, and they mm-hmm. take out these plastic jugs. The plastic bottles. And they, with the little pours on top, and they, they pour it, and then you drink it, and you say, you say to yourself, this is the most amazing drink ever, along with the amaretto sour and the fuzzy navel. This is so yes. good. So I my, had, a, I had yeah. a mudslide period. Okay, this is know? what I was, this is my yeah. question, Mary Catherine. Let's. I don't want to say when you were not not 21. I'm oh, going to say not. when you were when you were young, quote unquote, uh-huh. when you were young in college. Right. What was your drink? Yeah, let's just call it young. So I liked there was a mudslide period of time. Like, okay, hold on now. Mm-hmm. A mudslide. This is like that's like a, it's like a milkshake, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a milkshake. It's just a chocolate milkshake. With vodka in it. That's is that what it is really? It's vodka. I think I oh, think that's well, what vodka it is. goes anywhere, man. I mean, what what do I remember from those days? But no, so there was that. There were some more. Who doesn't honest, love that? Honestly, mud, mudslide you could get at a bar on one certain night in Athens, Georgia. You could go to this bar and they would serve you like a real milkshakey, yeah. like ridiculous mm-hmm. thing. And it was cut rate. And I didn't have any money in college. Yeah, so that yeah, was sure. important. Go on like a Tuesday and have a yeah, mudslide. Yeah, yeah. There were some more bargain options that I indulged in from time to time. And I, when I mean bargain, I mean street corner stuff like Boone's Farm. Wow. And at there was also, I don't know if you've ever tried Mad Dog 2020. I have not, I've had I've had I think it's called Cisco, which is like nitrate. Similar. Yeah. Similar vibe. Mad Dog 2020. There's just to give you an idea of how heinous Mad Dog 2020 is, there is a flavor called banana red. Okay, I get the banana part. So I'm afraid a, to find what the red part is. It's just a red, like the drink is red, but it's banana flavored. Okay. I should Google that and see what they were intending to do. Yeah. I mean, what they were intending to do is to get people drunk. That's what they. Yeah. Fast. So that's 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 the the shadier version. 
<laughs> and then later, later in college, I did enjoy actually, and I know this is offensive now, an Irish car bomb. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I, I guess you're supposed to say a death charge. Or yeah. Something. But other than that, I think just light beers. I wasn't really that. Those were special occasion okay, drinks, yes. Vic. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Understood. Understood. But that's the, that's pretty, you know, the, I remember the mudslide because my sister who was three years older than me would tell me about it when she was in Rutgers. Like, oh my right, gosh, right. there's this drink called the mudslide. Must be popular with the ladies. But it's certainly, po- if you went to TGI Fridays, you can yeah. get it there, obviously, or Ruby Tuesdays. And it's like this big concoction. And do they put like, you could put like whipped cream and stuff on it, right? I mean, it's like a party. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm sure in this day and age when they serve all the insane, like, you could get it like the bacon and and everything oh bloody mary but yeah, yeah. but a mudslide i bet is what yeah. you can get it's like a, it's like having a sunday or something but it's see so you but it's pretty good cuz you get the alcohol but you also get dairy right and it's you important. need that you need your calcium from the milk also when i was when i was quote unquote young uh, i would go to mr smith's which was a piano bar on m street which is no longer there and i don't know how i got onto this but i ended up with Oh, I remember I got a Tom Collins because a guy I knew, Bob King, a friend of mine who was older, he liked the vodka Collins. But the original Mm -hmm. is the the Tom Collins, which is gin. And I found it so tasty. And I'll tell you what, I was so excited whenever I was able to get served the Tom Collins that I drank out of the stir straw. I, I didn't know that that's a stir. I thought it was, I thought it was like a real, this is okay. a really small straw, man. Tiny little straw. Tiny, tiny. It's a good, it's for portion management. I love a Tom Collins. I like them sort of freshly made. I don't like the plastic yes. jug. Don't give me that plastic no, jug. This is what gives you the headache the next morning. And honestly, sometimes because it is a more classic cocktail, mm-hmm. but it's yes, not very, it, it hasn't become trendy like no. old fashioned. No. Sometimes you order a Tom Collins and a bartender will look at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that oh, happens really? to me not not infrequently. Yeah. I would say like it's um, so old school that the Collins thing throws him off. Now. Yeah, and or they don't know what kind of glass to put it uh-huh. in. It's usually in the tall, slim glass, which yeah. is how we like it. That's it looks refreshing. Yeah, but no, they don't do that. By the way, I just want to note that Banana Red is still on the market. <laughs> Good, Good to is, know. It is to avoid. The, it is the description is sweet and tangy with all the smells and tastes of real banana. It is an American fortified wine. Oh. Like port. It's like port. It's a fortified wine. It, but imagine drinking something red that tastes like banana. Why? Why did we do this? Because you wouldn't drink it if it was yellow, oh, also, I guess. Maybe imagine that's what it is. imagine drinking anything that tastes like banana, first of all. I did I don't like Oh, banana, I like so. you know what? I like fake banana. Ooh. I may have to check this out. You're a fan of like banana runts, aren't you? Banana runts. Remember runts? runts? Oh no, no, no! It was I'll a have... candy. It was, oh, a candy. Really? it was a hard candy, and it was I banana would... shaped. Oh yes, I've had that. It's not bad. The banana chips are great, and of course, Ew. what I miss, what I miss, is like friendly ice cream back in the day from the Northeast. They would sell banana ice flavored ice cream, and it was that bright yellow, which you knew was not real. That's how why it was so good. And now right. you go to most places, banana flavored ice cream. That you know, it's it's like they put real bananas in it. And I'm like, hey, don't do that. How would You're you messing do it up that? for me. That's insane. <laughs> How are anyway. you, Mary Catherine? Otherwise? Oh, right. Well, I'm pretty good. I will tell just one, one brief yeah. story, one success from my life yesterday, Please. which rare, it so rarely happens. Vic, actually, I don't cook all that much. Ah, I'm, I am a, I see what we're... I'm a medium competent okay cook, but I don't do it that often. Partly just because there's a lot of kids in this house, sure, and we kind of throw, we kind of do yeah. kid dinner. We throw that at them. And then Steve and I will have something, but it's not always something together. 
we do all convene at the same time usually. Okay. So we're all there. Yeah. It's just sort of hodgepodge. We've been there. I'm trying to get better at occasionally cooking something that everyone eats, okay. right? Now, the, the babies are little, so that's not always going to be the case. The timing of their bedtime makes that difficult, right? So, but I'm trying to get in a little bit more of a rhythm. And so sometimes I will find recipes and try them out. Well, one off of Instagram for chicken shawarma came wow. up and I thought, well, this sounds pretty good to me, but sometimes things that sound good to me don't always work for the whole family. Yes. But it was a simple marinade of chicken, throw it in the, it was like Greek yogurt and, and mm. cayenne and, Ooh. you know, all the cumin and all the things, coriander, all mixed My up goodness. together. And you marinate it for yeah. a couple of hours to overnight. And then you throw it in a sort of just a baking tin, uh -huh. essentially piled up on itself. So it's like a street yeah. cart shawarma, right? Okay. You cut through it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Piled up on itself with all this gooey marinade all over it. Throw it in there for 50 minutes, pull it out, chop it up. I did so. And I handed it to all the members of my family. Uh-huh. And not only did anyone, no one refuse it, everyone actively enjoyed it. That I, is, you know, it is, it is so gratifying as a cook when you have like... <laughs> Everyone agreeing that this was great. That is a nice, it is a great feeling. Congratulations. I was, uh, I was moved. I was moved. So we're putting that one on the list for, for regular eating. And now, you've, you've my, also, you, you are now accustoming them, accustoming them to yes. um, familiarizing them with Mediterranean flavors, which is really good. Oh my gosh. Mediterranean. If I yeah. could, if I could choose a genre for the rest of my life. Now, if I could choose, choose a genre with no health effects, I would probably choose Southern. But yeah, with no, I, I like the caveat there, the qualifier. But if I could because, choose a genre, yeah. period, that I have to eat for the rest of my life, yeah. Mediterranean would be the choice. I feel the same way. If I had to choose one cuisine for the rest of my life and it was healthy as well, I would say Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> nothing fried there. No, 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 no nothing, nothing there. MSG, MSG, is, it's good yeah. for you. MSG is good for you. It's yeah, just yeah. a supplement. Okay. Shall we get into Umami. the news a little bit? Yes, let's do it. All right. Look, before I, we're going to do a 2024 update because obviously South Carolina happened this yep, weekend. I was up did. in New York on NBC broadcast commenting on that. But before we get to that, can we please talk about the New York Times? Yeah, oh, yeah. Our, I actually don't know. I don't think I know Rubenstein personally, but I feel personally invested in Adam Rubenstein. I don't think we overlapped at the weekly standard, but uh, I'm friends with him. So please yeah. continue. So he was an editor at the New York Times at the moment of the conflagration of 2020 when famously, and I'm sure many of our listeners will know, but I'll briefly go over it. When famously, the New York Times got an op-ed from Tom Cotton, a U.S. senator from Arkansas. And Tom Cotton's op-ed said, hey, maybe we should consider using the U.S. military to help control what has not, not the protest part, but the part that has descended into riots and damaging of major damage of property to the tune of like, I think billions was yeah, what they added it up right. to eventually. And when that op-ed was published, it was considered such a transgression within the New York Times newsroom that anyone and everyone that had anything to do with it was pilloried in private on Slack, then publicly, as they dissected what went wrong when they 
published an op-ed by a U.S. senator? The answer is nothing. They just published an op-ed by a U.S. senator that a lot of people disagreed with on staff. A lot of Americans didn't disagree that much. A lot of people on staff disagreed. So everyone's pilloried. James Bennett, the then editor, took the fall. He was pushed out of his position. And our buddy, Adam Rubenstein, who was a young op-ed editor, was named as the person responsible for this op-ed while he was still employed at this place where everyone was being bullied for having anything to do with this op-ed. And now he's written his version of the story for The Atlantic. Everything that you imagine, sort of, if you think you're crazy and think what life is like, you know, inside mm-hmm. within the gray in the walls of the of the gray lady, right in the New York yep. Times, turns out to be true. And you think to yourself, no, it can't be this way. It can't be as crazy as everyone says, or that people on the right say about the indoctrination and the whole woke thing and cancel culture. And then you see this revelation from Adam Rubenstein, and you know, two things. One, some people give him a hard time, Adam for you know, wanting to work in a place like the new, why would you ever want to work there? There was a time when I wanted to work at a lot of these institutions of course, because yes. you know, they had such a long history and legendary writers and amazing editors. But that was then, and this is now. And the more you see, the less now you would think, you know, to yourself, I really want to go there. I mean, I don't I I used to I never wrote for the New York Times. I I wrote for the Washington Post on occasion. And I, I loved it at the time. And there were great people. There were great people there that I worked with, editors and yeah. all. And I don't feel that way now. And after reading this, I definitely have no desire to have anything to do with well, this. So that's, yeah, that's the question, right? Is a, yeah. Adam Rubenstein was, was feeling pleasantly surprised yeah. that he was welcomed at the New York Times in the first place. He had a right-leaning pedigree, although he certainly was not no. some firebrand, right? No. He came from the Weekly Standard, which was solidly yeah. Trump skeptical. Late Weekly Standard, too, yeah. Yes, late Weekly Standard. He was a person who grew up reading the Times, mm-hmm. like, understands this culture. Right. <laughs> and he comes into the newsroom, and one of his first interactions is an icebreaker. <laughs> and we're, I'm going to run through that real quick. Yeah. The icebreaker, which the story opens with, of course, because it's like, it's too perfect, right? Yeah, it's a great lead. So on one of my first days at the New York Times, I went to an orientation with more than a dozen other new hires. We had to do an icebreaker, and he has to tell what his favorite sandwich is. He says, Russ and Daughter's Super Heapster came to mind, but I figured mentioning a $19 sandwich wasn't a great way to win new friends. So I blurted out the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A and considered the ice broken. The HR representatives, re- representative leading the orientation, this is the HR person chided me we don't do that here they hate gay people people started snapping their fingers in acclamation i hadn't been thinking about the fact that chick-fil-a was transgressive in liberal circles for its chairman's opposition to gay marriage not the politics the chicken i quickly said but it was too late i sat down ashamed okay that's his yeah his intro it's maoist the whole thing about what what these you know what the the only thing they're missing are maybe little red handbooks on how to behave properly in a woke society the snapping of the fingers thing mm-hmm. creepy yeah i mean because the only thing weirder than that is apparently jazz hands yeah. which they want people to do because otherwise it's ableist against the i think yeah the i think it or yeah or like people who have sensory issues i, think. I get you know when i would when i when i was in i studied in vienna for a year and you know when you have to deliver some sort of a you know a talk or whatever a presentation i had to do this in front of a class one of these big 
classrooms at the end they if, if it's if they like it they knock they knock on the desks is what the germans and austrians yeah. do they just knock on the desks so i guess that wouldn't be allowed here that would be really triggering no, 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 that would be a problem no but it's the it's, it's like a bad leftist version of the game telephone where by the end oh we hate chick-fil-a because you know they don't they don't they hate gay people they don't serve gay people is another one if you read some of the yeah. comments people say how it sort of morphed into this the founder and ceo of chick-fil-a right he 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 believes in the traditional definition of marriage, which, by the way, is what Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton believe. No, it, and that wasn't that long ago. And suddenly we're all again. It's right. very Orwellian. It's like, oh, we've always been at war against Eurasia or East Asia. Yes. Sure. Yes. No, it, yeah. it's very it's very creepy. It's it's creepy to live your life this way. It's amazing. And and it, you're right. It's based on this just very mainstream view yeah. of the CEO right. that actually doesn't have a lot of anything to do with the chicken or the way he runs the company. Now, he does run the company from a Christian perspective. That is part right. of the, the deal. Right. They're closed um, on this, Sundays. This also, by the way, allows them to operate in a way that is closer to the values liberals claim to want to represent, which is that the franchise price is pretty low. If yeah. you adhere to the company's values and do a good job and give good chicken and good, ser good yeah. service, you will be able to move up yeah. in a way that you know, yeah. you'd think People would be in favor, but whatever. They're they're not okay. So, so that's his introduction. But to your point, Vic, about writing for places oh, like this, right? What stands out to anyone here reading this is how little Rubenstein gets backed up by anyone in this organization. Yep. They did him so so dirty, including like naming a lower level opinion editor in this very volatile news reporting about an op-ed right. that your newspaper has run. By the way, the news reporting was done by someone who on the Slack channel had said incredibly incendiary things oh. about the op-ed. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't be reporting yeah. on this thing. And I was also struck by one of Adam's quotes in or one of, one of the paragraphs in here where he says, immediately the op-ed caused an outcry within the Times. Dozens of the paper's employees retweeted an identical or near identical statement workshopped on Slack that said, running this puts black New York Times staff in danger. Okay. Yeah. He says, it was an outlandish claim, but next to impossible to rebut. How can you tell someone who says they're not safe that in fact they're fine? Did they know that in some states troops had already been deployed to protect public safety? Were we reading the same op-ed? Were they serious? This is an issue that I have with communicating with people because I've been in Rubenstein's Shoes, right? Sure. I've been yep. the weirdo. I've been the only one at CNN, for instance, right. right? I'm pretty comfortable with that. But you get in these conversations where you're like, our understandings are so very different right now yep. that I'm not sure how to communicate with you right. without saying you need to grow up and put your big girl, boy, non-gender normative panties on. Like I'd <laughs> Right. They, no, I mean, they're from, it's like they're from another planet. And they're getting, you know, all their news is from one side, not the other. And so when you bring these things up, they think it's completely, they, they think you're crazy. And the other thing is, of course, being triggered by feeling unsafe, right? That was the big thing. You have, yeah. you have endangered your colleagues there. They, they, they now feel unsafe. They didn't because, because of an op-ed and, and really what they wanted to drill down was cotton to was cotton's reference to insurrection. 
right? Yeah. And, and 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 what it meant to be able to 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 you know quell the riots. Did, did it mean you're going to kill them without you know? Well, that's that's yeah. what people claim erroneously that's about right. the op-ed is that it it didn't make a distinction between peaceful yeah. protesters and those engaged in crimes, and it did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we can all acknowledge that policing in this way and bringing in the military mm -hmm. could have risks to peaceful, right. otherwise peaceful protesters, right? Mm -hmm. We can all acknowledge that, but that's just a debate. That's right. just a normal debate. You can't have a debate. That's the problem. This is the what this is what's this is what's upsetting to all these people is somebody is challenging their beliefs. By the way, and and, and you know, and and Adam brings this up, which is, you know, the same op-ed page, you know, the Senator Tom Cotton has an op-ed. They're bothered by that, but they're not bothered by op-eds from the Taliban. Vladimir Putin, nope. you know, a Chinese Communist Party official defending their actions in Hong Kong, you know, and and and, and I believe the mayor of Gaza, you know, the Hamas appointed mayor yeah. of Gaza. So NBD. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. as long as you're from the right side. And and this is the thing that and I've experienced this a little bit in in various organizations. Uh -huh. He also talks about how there's a different pipeline for right-leaning ideas. Yes. So they don't go through the same process. And by that I mean it's much stricter. Yeah. Right? The process that conservative leaning columns or heterodox views mm -hmm. went through for the op-eds right. was much harder. And I've experienced this in my own life where I'll write for a publication that seems like a good publication to write for. And then I get so put through the ringer. It's not. Such that, and look, I like, a, I love a good fact check. In fact, the Atlantic has fact checked me before mm -hmm. on my own personal narrative. And I do not mind it because I want to get the yeah. story right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. Good. But there is a point, especially with op-eds, when you're like, to some degree, I have to be able to, within the facts, express an opinion and that like that part alone can be too much for an organization that does not yeah. have these opinions around. They think what they're like, you have to substantiate your opinion. Right. And I'm like, well, I want to get the facts right, but that's some I need some leeway yeah. here. And they don't they don't offer that in some places. Well, and the thing is, because a lot of time is what what we think of as opinion for them, they believe it is fact. You know, right. it is fact that there's more than, you know, two genders. You know, it right. is fact that, you know, you know, you know, right, you know, like every you know, abortion is great or whatever it is. You know, I mean they don't think of themselves as they think of themselves oftentimes as being somewhere in the center. Oh God, and then, yes, you know, do. I mean, they don't, that, that, because it's understood, of course, you know, uh, the idea of, of, of marriage between just a man and a woman is insane, you know, and not acknowledging that there are a lot of people who religiously, you know, believe, believe that. That's one thing. And the other thing, of course, is how when they turned on Adam, one of the things was how people are saying, oh, I heard you wrote the op-ed. Yeah. And then who is, and, and he's trying to say, no, I didn't, but then he has to refer people to legal about this because they're reporting on the story. And the higher ups, as you were mentioning, it's all cowardice. So the oh, younger people, the younger people, the younger people believe it, and the older people are afraid to go against them. And and this was the result. They didn't have uh, Adams back. They try to say nice things, and one he wouldn't name a columnist, not a conservative, but another columnist who says so. When a majority of people in our organization don't like my column, are you going to have my back too? You know, and, right? You know, it's a, it's a good question because. He it's just fear. He also notes a diplomatic correspondent, Edward Wong, wrote in an email to colleagues yeah. that he typically chose not to quote Cotton in his stories because his comments, quote, often represent neither a widely held majority opinion nor a well thought out minority opinion. Now, think about the bubble that this person is in yep. and how he evaluates what is a well thought out 
opinion, right? Yeah. It's a completely different standard from right. the ones that he agrees with, which becomes a self-perpetuating yeah. vicious cycle of bubble bubble life, right. right? Okay. Can I also just add this? I know we're on this for a while, but it's indicative of the whole problem right. with me. And I have one thing as well. So go ahead. So in the wake of this, there has been a debate, because this is what we can debate about. There's been a debate about whether the Chick-fil-A incident ever happened. Oh. Because people like Nicole Hannah-Jones and others have been arguing with Megan McArdle, another journalist at the Washington Post, a yep. libertarian-leaning writer yes. there, that this anecdote seems like it couldn't have happened. Seems fake. Didn't happen. All right. Look, again, I've been in a lot of liberal newsrooms, and I... I absolutely think this could have happened. Yeah. I think that Adam Rubenstein is not a fabulist. Yeah, I believe that. I think The Atlantic does fact-checking, as I have experienced, even telling my own story, right? Yeah. Which is what he's doing. Also, the group of people saying this couldn't happen, if you put them in a room and I walked in and I said, hey, guys, I brought lunch and I pulled out Chick-fil-A, they would have at least a mini panic attack, right? Yeah. Like, what do I do? Do I eat the chicken? Do I have a discussion about how to eat the chicken? Do I need to put context with yeah. the chicken? Like, the idea that this is out of bounds in a liberal newsroom is batshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're the people. Yeah. You're the people who do this. <laughs> again, again, it, it, it's, it's rules for, for thee, but not for me. And then <sighs> in their mind, everything is normal and you people are crazy. Also, and, it's a yeah. it's like the Maoist thing too yeah. to come at to come at this anecdote yeah. and say absolutely that could never right, happen right right that could that could never happen in our world where we all completely agree with each other and punish each other for not agreeing. Sure, it's the one thing that really bothers them is ideological diversity. By the way, if I was asked my favorite sandwich, I, I would have probably <laughs> said your classic your classic foot long Italian sub, and then I would have done a whole Italian impression. I, oh, I hope, good for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I hope that I, I'm sure that would have went over well. Well, see, that's yeah, that's good because you're not visibly Italian. So oh, they, they wouldn't know they, what to make of it. I they don't wouldn't know, know what they to were do. The confused. Yes. I would pick mine actually is a little highfalutin. Mine is called the Surfside. Oh, and it's served at Jetty's, which is a very oh, small I... chain in yes. D.C. Yeah, it's very small. And it comes with roast turkey, the whole seed mustard, avocado. Mm -hmm. Crispy bacon on sourdough. That sounds lovely. It is really good. Have you ever uh, have you ever gone to Bowie Mongers? I haven't been to Bowie Mongers. That's uh, a sandwich place. You can their, their tuna their tuna salad is good. You know what it's called? The tuna Turner. It's true. <laughs> would Tina find that offensive? I don't know. Yeah, I would want a salad named that. It's very curb your enthusiasm. I want a sandwich yeah, named true. after me. Come on. Okay. That's true. That's true. All right. Anyway, our best to Adam Rubenstein, who's, yes. who's off to other and better things, yeah, great uh, writing various places, yeah. uh, being an editor of actual diverse ideas in, and doing what he's good at. So I'm glad for him. I have felt for him since he was named, but yeah. I appreciate him turning it into an object lesson and what is wrong with basically all of media and perhaps why no one's paying money for media yeah. anymore. Who, who needs this? Oof. Oof. All right. We got some 2024 updates. Let's let's start with Trump's legal issues first. Just to mm. I just want to note the insanity of the the cycle we're in and the bad behavior of once again Trump's 
adversaries. Not only is Fannie Willis making a fool of herself down in Georgia, but in New York, we have Letitia James, who is the a- the DA there. Attorney tweeting, General. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, AG there. Tweeting repeatedly every day how much Donald Trump owes on the fine that he was issued in the civil fraud case. Remember, this is the civil fraud case that even the AP had to concede, hey, we haven't really seen this law used this way before, and he didn't really seem to defraud anyone. Nonetheless, he's charged some $400 million to $500 million bucks, and there's interest on it every day. Yep. He has to pay before he can appeal, which seems odd to me. And she's now just tweeting the total triumphantly that he owes them. Every day. What are we doing? I'm so glad that she's striving to not be seen as sort of, you know, going after uh-huh. her political opponents. No, she's not even pretending. And I'm not even sure if those interest assessments are correct, but the people on her side are definitely loving it because it's like, you know, we're getting up to half a billion dollars, you know, maybe more. And the whole point is to bankrupt him. We must do everything we can to, again, remove him from this election and make sure he's never elected again. This is not a way, if you feel strongly about it, that's really not the best way to do this in the name of democracy. And we mentioned this, uh, you know, on previous shows that, you know, on day one, her goal was to get him on something. And that's, yeah. you know, that that was her goal. There's a lot of other problems that New York is going through right now, but let's focus on Donald Trump. What they would love nothing more than for, you know, banning him from doing business. They would love nothing more than for him to have to give up one of his yeah. properties like Trump Tower, and then they can take down the sign and it'll be like the, the toppling of Saddam statue. Oh my God. Know? Yes, that's people they in the streets. They want it like, like that. Yeah, this is what they're oh hoping for. Again, and we're talking about a, a crime with with no victim. It wasn't filed by an injured party. The banks made money in something that our businesses do. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be fine with this. No, it's gross. It's bad. Yeah, you're making an unprecedented, weird, like driving toward yeah. a constitutional crisis situation worse. But that's that's what they want. I mean, there was a there. Were, speaking of the Atlantic, there was a piece in the Atlantic this week, just saying, "Hey, have we ever thought about like if Trump won?" Democrats could not certify him on January 6th. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? It's full circle. It's like you just insurrection for the right reasons. Yeah. It's yeah. it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad, guys. That's right. Oh, and this, by the way, this goes also, it, this, this connects with an Adam Rubenstein's piece in The Atlantic because he talked about how one side is about, you know, stealing the election and the other side is election denialism. Oh, yeah. So one is good and the other is no, bad. They just see it as like, yeah. even though they, and, and this is actually, this reminded me of of my experiences as well. Adam, because he's heard both sides and is rationally thinking in sort of center, frankly, yep. center center right, he can recognize where these two sides are spinning out yep. and in similar ways. And he points out, hey, when you guys talk about voter suppression being this huge issue, it kind of sounds like the rhetoric of the voter fraud crowd. Right. And they're like, oh, no, no, ours is totally real and there's totally fake. That's how that works. That's how they think. It is. It is. But the power of somebody like Adam to recognize these parallels yeah. mm-hmm. is actually very important for a newsroom, but they hate it. No. And this is all um, stemming from now going back to college because there's no more sort of the ability to have critical debates. No. It's not happening. Or or like if you stick your neck out and have a debate and disagree, oh. you end up like Adam, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what that's, that's the right. award you get. Okay. So things are not great for Trump in the in the courts or in the fines area, but he did win. Pretty, 
pretty dominantly yeah. in South Carolina. I, I don't want to discount that it's like a, you know, a 20 point win. However, it's both strong and weak, right? Because it is, there's still 40 ish percent. Yeah. I think a little less than that in South Carolina yeah. that are sufficiently not all in on Donald right. Trump. And this has been a, an issue with his candidacy the entire time he's been a candidate. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those people will come home, right? That's the question. But a lot of those people might not. Right. And a lot of the people who used to be those people are now Democrats. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, uh, that, that's the question, Mary Catherine, is, yeah. you know, do her supporters fall in line and sort of, you know, extrapolate from that? Because, you know, I've seen numbers just from South Carolina where it's Nikki supporters, 59 percent, you know, say, no, they're not going to support him. And another 36 percent, just just in the state of South Carolina, who say that they won't vote for Trump if he gets ends up getting uh, convicted of, a, you know, of a felony. And again, this is not to say that he's obviously, you know, he's the presumptive nominee. We know that. Right. Obviously, he's on his way. He's cruising. Yeah, the, he's cruising to said, the nomination. But these voters are going to be needed in the general. And he's got serious money problems. You know, the small donors, the small donor amounts are dwindling. And we talked about his fines. It's not good. And, and, and I don't know if we're, you know, are we really sure this is who we want to go against Joe Biden? Well, as as I as I noted on NBC, the math is not mathing for Nikki Haley, right? There's yeah. no, but I I understand the rationale to say I'm still in this race. I have delegates. Yeah, you don't know where this guy's going to end up by the time this process is through. However, that doesn't her having delegates doesn't necessarily guarantee that the that the that the delegates themselves, when faced with yeah. a weird situation, would say, well, obviously she's the choice. They might not do that at all, right? right? So. It, we are in a very strange situation. Some noted, and we'll pay, play a little bit of her, her speech after South Carolina. Everyone wants to bring back the America we know and love. Yeah. That's the underlying message of what happened today. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory. And I want to thank the people of South Carolina for using the power of your voice. America will come apart if we make the wrong choices. This has never been about me or my political future. We need to beat Joe Biden in November. I don't believe Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. This week, that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. By the way, Trump's was pretty. Team. He didn't yes. go after her in any sort of mean way, even though it was her home state, right? Yeah, I, I think um, he took his meds. So. Yeah. <laughs> so Nikki Haley gives a speech that sounds a little bit like it could be a third party pitch, right? Yeah. Sound a little bit like that? Yeah, I mean, she no. did, she's been denying it, but you mm-hmm. know. No labels has still been looking for someone yeah. to fill that role. They have ballot access in not really that small a number right. of places but I think it's not number, joe manchin we know that um, and it's not larry hogan it's not going to be joe manchin it's not going to be larry hogan so they're looking for someone 
I added up the delegates the other day in the states where where no labels has or electors in the states where no labels have access. Is, it's over a hundred. Yeah. Now, winning a state is not easy, but yeah. winning a state when everyone does not like either of the other candidates yeah. <laughs> might be possible. So, but Jim Garrity at National Review notes that even if she were to appear as the no labels candidate, it might be hard for her to do that because in places like Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina, something called sore loser laws would prevent someone com from oh. coming out of the major mm -hmm. party and refiling in this way. Yeah. Now, I'm sure no labels has a lot of money for lawyers and they could make the argument that they could do this. I'm not now, even sure if they have a lot of money, but we'll see. Well, they, they have they have figured out a lot of ballot access, so they yeah. have money for that. Mm -hmm. They have some staffing for that. Mm -hmm. I, The third party thing to me, again, Nikki Haley is not suggesting she's doing any of this. It just yeah. sounded a little like it in the yeah. speech. The third party thing to me is undercovered because the amount of difference that could make yeah. in a small number of states would not need to be much. And if you see polling where the third party candidates are added, Things get much worse for Biden, not for Oh, Trump. yeah, definitely worse for Biden, particularly between RFK and Cornell West. I mean, they, they, it, it matters. All those little bits matter. And, and, yeah. and Trump's march does increase. You're right. Speaking of Cornell West, can I note a very disturbing thing? This is a, this is a content warning for uh -oh. those who are listening with younger folks. Before I get started, Cornell West tweeted in support of the self-immolation oh. of the airman, the U.S. Yeah. Air Force airman, who has now died of mm -hmm. his injuries sustained outside the Israeli embassy, where he set himself on fire in protest of, quote, genocide and yelled free Palestine. Uh, Cornell West was like full-throatedly praising his bravery. So that might have an effect on his support in third-party runs. However... And I know Twitter's not real life, but a disturbing number of liberal, like free Palestine right. types mm -hmm. have praised him. Oh, yeah. Have praised this action. And I'm I am not, like. I'm, it doesn't a, surprise me. But. A society that valorizes self-immolation is not yeah. a society that is going down yeah. the right path. Yeah. He's not exactly one of these Buddhist monks, you know. Ooh, <laughs> <it's>, gets, <laughs> but I mean, and, and they're, they're trying to, they're insisting that he was fine. And he, you know, that he actually, he was completely normal and just believed in the cause enough yeah, to make a statement. Yeah, this wasn't a mental health issue. Yeah, no. It's there the first also... I've heard of the, 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 the I'm, I don't know how often this happens, but the only other time I can think of, of somebody self-immolating in protest was during the Vietnam War, right? And yeah. it was in front of, at the Pentagon. And it was a man who brought a baby with him, which was crazy. Oh, my god! But gosh. he uh, he lit himself. And I think McNamara, who was a Secretary of Defense at the time, Robert Mack, he's, I think he saw it. And uh, yes, there are people um, who are not well. Speaking and also just like adding to the, yeah. the not wellness, the liberal white ladies oh. on Twitter, <laughs> ooh, baby, there's two examples oh. in this conversation where one, somebody at some point, again, valorizing this said, rest in power. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the And phrase. then the white liberals, particularly the women, came at the person who said rest in power and policed that speech because you're not valorizing this self-immolation in the correct liberal way because rest in power is reserved for people of color, yes. particularly the black community. 
And so you shouldn't do that. So they're policed over that. You let you could set yourself on fire for their cause and you're still going to get told not to eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Like it is. No, it's again, it's, it's wild. It's, it's Orwellian because, you know, you, the, the language, it's very important, the language that you use yeah. for them. And then another another lady noted in a long thread, again, glorifying this act. That, hey, not a lot of y'all Israel supporters have self-immolated. So it seems like. Seems like our side might be more righteous. And I was like, oh. what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. What so. are we doing? Okay. And meanwhile, by the way, can I just say this, not to throw you a curveball, while this is yeah. happening and Trump and, 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 you know, and has his issues and Nikki Haley is floundering, Joe Biden gets to go on Seth Meyers' show, uh, late oh, yeah. night show and eat ice cream. And while he's eating ice cream, at an ice cream shop, he's asked about the Middle East, and he talks about how he thinks they're really close to a ceasefire right now, and he's really mm -hmm. hopeful. Not about the hostages, because, you know, I'm sure they're going to, you know, there will always be hostages. I mean, whose fault is that? Right. But And he's eat, doing it while he's eating ice cream, and Seth Meyers oh. is nodding along like, oh, this man's amazing, you know? That's what we're dealing with here. I mean, it's all horrible. It's all By the way, horrible. his his public pushing while eating ice cream for such a ceasefire and for a really bad deal yeah. uh, oh, for Israel deal. Uh, without, you know, just would allow Hamas, Hamas to do a ton of stuff and get yeah. hardly any hostages back, uh, which, by the way, they don't even know are alive, yeah. has turned Israel to say, like, publicly, no, we ain't doing this, right. man. You need to chill with that. So everything's everything's going fine, is my point. By the way, I saw somewhere tweeted or reported that, like, the president's staying up late for this late night show. No, he's not. They don't tape it. They don't they tape, tape it, it at 30 or They tape it four. Uh, it's like, Come on. guys, this is well within his window. Yeah. All right. Can we, this is, this is also a sad story. Yeah. So just if you, if you yeah. got kids listening. And this is closer um, to home for you. Yeah. And it also includes some media lying, which I know won't surprise you. I wrote about for foxnews.com and outkick.com, the brutal murder of Lake and Riley, a 22 year old former UGA student who had become a nursing student at Augusta University. She went for a run last Thursday morning and her, I think her roommate or friend reported that she wasn't back from her run after several hours. It was a morning run and her body was found at, by the intramural fields at uh, University of Georgia around Lake Herrick, which is obviously tragic all on its own. And, and this, but I, it, it is it's weird when one of these stories hits you in this way because I ran that trail every week of my college career. I know exactly where she was. Mm -hmm. I know exactly how safe it feels to be there. And there was a reason it felt safe because there hasn't been a homicide at the University of Georgia in 30 years. So she was just out doing her thing and encounters, allegedly, Jose Antonio Ibarra, 26, of Venezuela. He is in the country illegally. He crossed the border in 2022 in El Paso. He crossed the border the same month that, by the way, Kamala Harris was saying on TV that the border was secure. He is released into the interior of the, co the country, goes to New York with a wife and stepson. And while he's there, he's arrested for driving unlicensed, unregistered vehicle with a child in it and uh, charged with child endangerment. He's put in jail. He's released very quickly because that's how New York does it. He's allegedly going to have an asylum claim adjudicated at some point, but we all know how this works. You just come in and you, you hang out. Do whatever you, do you want to do. You do whatever you want to do. So New York releases him before 
ICE gets a detaining order for him. Mm -hmm. So he's not dealt with at that point. He goes down to Georgia. He leaves his wife and stepson, goes to Georgia, to Athens-Clark County, which is another sanctuary city, joins up with his brother, Diego Ibarra, who has, I think, three arrests to his name. But the thing about a sanctuary city is that those don't matter, right? Yeah. Your arrests don't matter. You no, have to we're escalate. protecting you from a worse crime, which is your being apprehended. Yes, that you're, you, you have to escalate to something truly intolerable right. uh, to be actually held. So that's what happens with Jose. Yeah. When he comes down from New York, he allegedly encounters this young woman and murders her. Now, a bunch of people on the left are, you know, they throw you, they throw at you the aggregate stats about immigrant communities yeah. and how they can be largely mm -hmm. law abiding once they get here. And like, I'm willing to rationally look at these numbers. Yeah. I'm willing to be rational about the fact that random violent crimes like this are not super common, right? However, <laughs> we're not going to get rid of all violent crime by getting rid of illegal immigration. But the question is, when is murder preventable? Yeah. And in the case of a young woman being murdered by an illegal immigrant, it was preventable several times. Yeah. When he crossed the border and when he, each time he offended after that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what's sad, Mary Catherine, is it, it, her death is sad, but even sadder are the Republicans who are exploiting her death to bring up yes. the border supposed To bring crisis. up the facts about her case. Yeah, yes. that's really what. And that's an actual headline from the news. Yeah. And the other one, as you know, is from the Associated Press, which insisted that the real story here mm. was you know, her murder, allegedly by this quote-unquote Athens resident, brings to light the dangers of women going on solo runs. Jogging while female. Yes. Vic. Alone while female. That's the issue here. And the same thing with, mm -hmm. you know, is it Molly Tibbetts previously also who was killed by another resident, another human? Well, this is how you know they're just lying to you. Yeah. This isn't bias. In the story about dangers to female joggers, they bring up Lake and Riley and Molly Tibbetts killed in Iowa, in 2018, similar right. story, college student out for a run, she disappears. What they don't mention in either case is that both of the, one is an alleged murder, the other is serving a life sentence, both illegal immigrants. Yep. So you've used a sample size of two mm -hmm. and you've not managed to find the common thread <laughs> because you're lying. The common thread is they're human, Mary Catherine. They're residents of somewhere. You know what? I think the common thread is toxic masculinity. Yeah. Oh, Vic. oh we'll get to that on another show. <laughs> Don't get me started. Oh, I, it's so just... it, 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 it's very it's very disturbing because uh, we, my question is, you're convinced. You, you're convinced this isn't biased. They're actually lying. But I do wonder... When they run headlines and stories like this, is it because they feel compelled that they must pr protect, you know, Democrats and president from being blamed for, you know, what's happening at the border? Or are they just genuinely clueless, woke and brainwashed straight so out of I, college? I think it's a combination of things. I think there's a lot of people. I said it the other day and I know it sounds hacky, but I think it's true. A lot of people are taught to reflexively lie for an ideology and they have yeah. not been taught how to actually think through any of this. Right. Right. And they've not been taught that the facts are important. They've been taught yeah. that the, the wrong facts can give power to the wrong people. Yes. And they don't like that. Right. So they don't want you to have a conversation about this. There, well, there are greater 
there are greater forces at play here, Mary Catherine, like the, you well, know, Well, the price the of oppressors. progressivism, the price of progressivism is that yeah. like, you know, you're going to break a few eggs in this omelet, I yeah, guess. That's right? right. But I tell you who will is talking about it. The OG, UGA community is talking about mm-hmm. it. The state of Georgia is talking about it. All of those voters who are parents of UGA students are talking about it. By the way, someone was held at gunpoint this, this week in Athens as well. Mm-hmm. The crime problem is the same as it has become in a lot of liberal centers. Yeah. And they're not happy about this. And they're not going to ignore right. all of the reasons it could have been right. prevented. By the way, they had a memorial service for Lakin and another student who died by suicide the same week, mm. Wyatt Banks, oh. just yesterday in the Tate Center on the and the huge Tate Student yeah. Center area outside Sanford Stadium is packed, just packed with students and those students' lives are are changing. Like they get, they're getting mm-hmm. a taste of their own mortality and a just a a real uncomfortable life changing moment to have in your twenties. And I've yeah. you know I've watched the the poor best friend of Lake and Riley, who was her roommate, who Same. ran half marathons with her and yeah. hung out downtown. And like yeah. these are all the things I did as a student. Mm. And I look at my life now. It is so tragic that the, and it, yeah. it happens to so many young people. This young woman will not live, live any of the lives that I have lived from those right. di- from my mudslide days to now, yeah. right? Yeah. She doesn't get those years. Right. And it could have been stopped. She was failed. Yeah, I mean, they're not letting this guy go now, but it was a terrible price that had to be paid in order to get to this point. You mentioned Kamala Harris saying the border is secure. And of course, Alejandro Mayorkas had also said similarly that he didn't think there was a crisis. The border is secure. Joe Biden was recently asked about, is there a border crisis? And he said, of course. He goes, I've, I've thought that for the last 10 years. So which is it? And by the way, it is Trump's fault. So, you know, they, anyway, they, my, my heart goes out to the UGA community. It's It's been a rough one for that campus and, and to all of her friends and family. And I know that, that she's not just a political football. Like this is this is yeah. part of the story, but mm-hmm. she is also part of the story and yeah. the life that she doesn't get to live. So I, I just want to honor that as well as much as possible while also dealing with the facts. I know we have to get you out of here, Vic. Oh, can we briefly wanna, say- Oh, you want to, do you want to, do you want to just- I will, because I, uh, I have to leave too. I have to leave too. Okay. Can you tell me what you think of Shane, Shane Gillis on SNL? Ah, okay. You know, uh, I, I had my concerns, you know, as an Asian American, see how he would do. I, I love it. To, yes. I have, to, I have to tell you because of his hatred of Chinese food, which is questionable, but it does still taste good. And MSG is a good thing. But I, I saw his monologue. Now, you, you like that. I saw the, the the skit he did, the pre-taped skit of Limo yes. Emu, which quickly yes. turns it. I don't know if we have a, an audio of that or something, but there, there is some profanity. But It's there, so dark and good. It is so dark and good. And it turns the buddy cop thing into uh, training day, basically. Or there's a scene from L.A. Confidential like this as well, where where Russell Crowe puts the you know the 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 spare gun into the the other guy's hand to make it look like yes. you know, he's shot. So that it's funny. It, check that out. That particular skit. But he does talk. He was clearly nervous because he openly. The first thing he says is he got fired. And please don't look into that right now. Please stop. Don't, don't find out that. what happened. So he was very sheepish and earnest about it. And I think he was genuinely nervous. And and he started making various jokes and had to stop and say, look, this is all I got for this kind of my material. This is the only kind of material I have for like this kind of an audience here on uh, national television. 
But one of the things he did, which was a little bit edgy, the first thing was, you know, being his mom's best friend. And he's oh my equating gosh. that to being like your mom's gay best friend. I laughed out loud. It's very good. You, when you're a little yeah. boy, you're just gay for your mom. Like, yeah, oh, gay let me, for your girl, mom. girl yeah, let dance, me hear your stories. Dance, yeah, and dance, dance for your mom, you know? It's Listening to really Shania Twain. It's just adorable and true. The, but the other thing is he talked about, he was making jokes about Down syndrome because he, and he has, he has a niece who has Down syndrome, his sister's daughter, same thing. My sister's daughter has Down syndrome. So I was able to relate to that. It is edgy territory because you're not sure. You feel like the way I'll make occasional Asian jokes, you feel like by association that, you know, I have this, this blood relative of mine, this niece of mine, that you can say certain things that might not be politically correct with somebody. And he openly, I think he says retarded is, is what he uses that term. And it's funny because he goes out there, people get nervous, and then he makes usual jokes that turn it, turns it around at his expense, but he can still get away with some of the stuff. And it's actually quite touching. If you watch that monologue, it is a great thing to have. It's true. He was talking about how people don't know how to relate to others, family members or, or, or people. If you don't have anybody you know close to you who has Down syndrome, it is hard to, you don't know what to do. And I remember as a kid, you know, every now and then you would encounter somebody with Down syndrome. I'd get nervous. Right. I didn't right. know what to say, what, how to act. I don't know what, what that's all about. And it's been a, it, it's been a, you know, for, for, for my, for my children, it, it's been a blessing to have you know, their cousin around and to be around them and playing and loving and understanding that they're just like us, you know, and, well, they're, and they're, you know, they're, I mean, they're, you don't have to, there's, I mean, there are challenges they have clearly, right. but they're not how I was, which is nervous around them. They, this is family. This is, you know, you're just well, the way you just, are. It's life of, it's life affirming to, to talk about yeah. those you love who yeah. have these challenges yeah. and when you let art sort of be complicated and interesting as Shane Gillis's, you have moments like that. And that's what I think the sort of the doctrinaire left has trouble yeah. with and that's is right. actually making art pretty boring sometimes. Yeah. Please see the exactly. late night comedy shows. All right. I know we got to get you okay. out of here. Well, we'll thank you, Mary down. Catherine, for that. And I just want a quick call out to listener Eric Varga, by the way, who reposted a tweet from uh, that great Super 70 sports poster person about Canada's, Canada had a version of We Are the World. And it's mesmerizing. <laughs> and the song is called okay. Tears Are Not Enough. Is Anne Murray there? Yes, she is. Uh, the first person I recognize. And Neil Young is there. And supposedly nice. Paul Schaefer. That was all the people we could name. So you'll have to, our I'll Canadian listeners will have to fill us in on that. I'm talking to you, Ian Brody. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And by the way, I'm so boring mom style that I was at the NBC studios while Shane Gillis was preparing to go on air. And I was so tired, I went back to my hotel room instead of trying to wheedle my way into the SNL studios, which is yeah. what I should have done. I should have been laughing out loud you in that laughed. studio audience. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Yeah.